0: Let me turn my microphone on so you guys can hear me. All right, it is good to be back with everybody again. It, it, it does honestly seem a little strange being back. Sorry, I'm all tangled up. Okay, I'm loose. I'm free. All right, it uh, th- does seem a little odd being back um, because there's a group of you that are frozen in time and a group of you that have changed drastically. Um, everybody that was in their twenties and thirties when I left, mid twenties. Aaron has less hair, um, but then the young people—I don't recognize hardly any of the young people. Uh, but then seeing some new faces, uh, it's it's good to see the church continuing to reach into the community and make a difference, and that's that's what we're here for. Uh, God has God has been good to our family. Pastor was talking about the. Struggles of traveling. Uh, it, the the blessing and curse of our ministry is traveling. It's a blessing to travel because we get to see different parts of the country, uh, different, get to meet old friends, new friends, uh, see God's creation. And then it's a curse traveling because we get to see old friends, new friends, and <laughs> God's creation sometimes more than we want to. And I love time with family, but traveling around in a vehicle, uh, we do on average, thirty to forty thousand miles a year in our SUV together as a family of six, and we love each other, but sometimes not that much. Um, so it's it's been it's been good. The Lord's really blessed us with a lot of opportunities., uh, We had the opportunity of spending the month of January up in Alaska. Um, if you become a missionary and you're looking for meetings, Alaska in January. I mean, like every pastor I called, I'm like, hey, I'm coming up in January. And they're like, pick your date because nobody comes to Alaska in January. Um, they, they thought I was a little crazy, but we had a great time being up in, in the state of Alaska. It was my first time up there and being able to meet some of the pastors up there and uh, the churches. And God's been, God's been good there. God's kept our family safe. Obviously, my children are eating well. They've, most of them have outgrown me. Um, pray for our family. As we make preparations, uh, this June, we're going to be headed over. Our whole family is going to be headed over to the country of Croatia. We've got our family and 12 other people that will be coming with us to work with the Lowries and the Leslies over in the country of Croatia. To help with a church plant, a Bible study, and a church growth project, and so we're excited about that opportunity. It'll be the first time that our whole family has been able to go over together. And kind of the cool thing for me is it's going to be three generations of Ingles on the trip with us. My dad, my mom, and dad are going to be able to be with us on that trip, and then all of our children will be with us. And so we'll actually have three generations of Ingles serving on the field over in Croatia. and So that's that's a neat opportunity. We're looking forward to that. Uh, praying for the Lord to work out the little bit of finances that we need to come up with but then the big thing is honestly don't let anything change <laughs> um, the, the last two years that's been uh, trying to get overseas has been a game of hit the moving target um, they, they, they set up regulations of what you need to do to get into country and by the time you're able to get a trip plan they change them and it, it's just up and down up and down and up and down but it looks like things are holding steady and Lord willing, we'll have three different groups going over to Eastern Europe this year along with the various projects that we've got going on. And so we're excited about what the Lord is continuing to do. Um, uh, Pray for for the missionaries all throughout Europe. There's been a lot of challenges. Uh, We've seen several missionaries come off the field, not only in Ukraine, but even in some of the other countries. Um, Lord willing, be able to go back, but I know some of them are off and off to stay. And so just be praying. For those countries, and we appreciate it. This evening, if, if you come back this evening, we'll give a video tonight uh, that'll give an update a little bit more of what's been going on over the last year with the Couriers Ministry and tell you a little bit more about some of that. This morning, we're just going to spend some time in God's Word. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, I believe. Did I tell you that already? Sorry, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 18 and 19. We're going to to start there and then we're going to spend most of our time actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 and 19. Matthew chapter 4 beginning in verse number 18 says, And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, And I will make you fishers of men. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I pray that you just guide and direct in this service today, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and to uh, have a comfortable place to worship, Lord. But I pray that you'd help us not to get comfortable in our Christian lives, Lord, but that we would constantly be looking at the lost world around us and seeing and looking for opportunities to be a witness and to be a testimony. We praise you and thank you for all that you do in our lives. And ask that you'd help us to be a witness and a testimony of those around us. We ask these things now in your name. Amen. Fishermen. Being fishers of men. It's not Missions Conference Week. Not that I know of. um, But how many times have you heard a message about being a fisher of men? Fishermen. Did you know that this term is actually only found in one example? It's a couple different times in the Gospels, but it's all referring to this exact instance is uh, many times I, I, I've grown up around missions and I can't tell you the number of mes- messages I've heard about being fishers of men. And yet I was doing some studying on it, trying to find other examples of it. And this is the only place that it, that it gives the example. Why does the Lord use that example? Who's he talking to? He's talking to fishermen. And that The great thing about the God that we serve is he comes and relates to us. He takes us from where we're at, finds things that we can connect with, and then uses those in our lives to take us where he wants us to go. And that's what he's doing here. But we're going to focus on that today. And God wants us to be fishers of men. God wants us to be soul winners. God wants us to be here reaching the lost. This is, if you're not saved today, this is more about how to lead others to the Lord. But can I tell you that the plan of salvation is very simple? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. With the mouth confession is made. It, it's the God, God lays out the plan of salvation very simply. And, and, it, and if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior... There really is only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. The, the, the world has all of their different ways of how they're trying to get to God, but the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can, you can do your good work. You can give money to the church. You can be faithful in your church attendance. You can do all of the different things. But it's only through accepting Christ as your personal Savior and what He did on the cross. It's not a series. Does God want you to give to the church? Yes. Does God want you to be in church? Yes. Does God want you to read your Bible? Yes. But that's just deeds that we do out of love for Him after salvation, not to get us to salvation. But today, the message is more focused on those that are already saved. And the the title of my message today is is your net in the water. It's hard to go fishing if you don't put something in the water. Let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll get started. Actually, sorry, we already prayed. I am I'm getting distracted this morning. Is, is your is your net in the water? You know if. I know we've got a couple people that enjoy fishing. How, how many people have gone fishing before? All right. Just about everybody's done some fishing. You know, if if you're going out trying to catch fish, you 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 have to have a certain you have to have certain things that you're that you're using to reach the lost, to, to to catch the fish. One, it helps to have a fishing pole, or in the case of this, they, they were using large nets bait you you need you need an attractant you need something to attract the fish so that you get an opportunity to catch them you need to know where the fish are if i go out back and put my fishing rod into the pool at the holiday inn i'm probably not going to catch very many fish which by the way thank you for the The accommodations that you guys have put us up in. Uh, I don't know who all was involved in getting everything together, but we've got each of the kids had treat baskets. Um, You're the reason why I look the way that I do. Uh, (laughs) Mrs. Dunbar is like, hey, have you lost weight? I'm like, no, (laughs) no, I keep finding it. uh, we, we appreciate your guys' kindness to our family and all the graciousness of us. But, but, but if we're over at the holiday inn, the, the, the church put us up over at the holiday inn, if, if I put my fishing line into the pool while I'm in the water and I'm technically I'm fishing. <laughs> technically I'm fishing. Uh, I'm not going to catch a lot. I'm not going to catch a lot. And so we, we, we need to, to have the right things. And so we're going to look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 we're going to actually read through the entire chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and look at some of the challenges that we will face as Christians in trying to reach the lost. And then we're going to draw it to a conclusion. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? We faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If we are hiding our gospel, if we are not actively being a witness and a testimony for God, You're not protecting yourself. You're not saving yourself. All you're doing is hiding it from a lost world that doesn't even know what they're looking for. Can I tell you, we live in a world that's looking for something. I mean, look look at the lives of the young people. And they, they, they look for it in, in drugs, in alcohol, in, in relationships, in, in hairstyles, in, in dress style. They, they, they're looking for an acceptance. They're, they're looking for something that is going to fulfill their lives. But they don't understand that the only thing that is fulfilling is the Word of God and the God that created us. Because He put that hole in us to try and draw us unto Him. And so the world is seeking, but they don't know what for. Verses 3 and 4 But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is actively deceiving the lost world around us. He, he's already blinding their eyes. And so if we have our gospel, if, if we have what God has given us and we try to hide it, we're hiding it. What do you hide from a blind man? I mean, let's go play hide and go seek with a blind person. All, as long as you're quiet, they're going to have a hard time finding you. And honestly, that's how it is in the lost world. If you sit quiet and you don't speak out, they're not going to know. Satan is actively deceiving them, blinding their eyes. Verses 5 and 6. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're, We're not... Oh, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm not preaching a life. Be like me. No, don't be like me. Be like Christ. We're, we're not preaching ourselves. We're not, we're not going to people and saying, Hey, look at me. Look at how good I am. Look at, look at what I've accomplished. Because if man focuses on man, they will always be disappointed. Man will always fail. But the, the amazing thing is verse number 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness... There's two ways to take that. We're referring to for the God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Creation. God who created this world. The God that created this world wants to shine his light in their hearts. But the other thing is to realize we are the darkness. God God wants to show his light. God wants to show his brightness in our lives. We're, we're like the moon. The moon doesn't have its own light. It, it simply reflects the sun. And that's what God wants to do us. He wants, we're, we're simply darkness. We're wickedness. We're wretched. We're vile. And God took us in our unworthy state. I, I, when I was younger, I remember used, I used to want to have the testimony of some of the guys that came through and preached. Guys that come through, and, you know, they had been part of a biker gang. I, I remember listening to Mr. Christian and some of his stories. Bible class with Jennifer Corey's dad was great. We just get him telling stories about his past and he wouldn't teach anything. And you just get him going on stories. And Mr. Christian was a part of a gang at one point. Uh, he's got some stories that are pretty hilarious. Uh, but I, I used to look back and be like, man, I wish I, wish ha- I had that life changing story of, of how God just took me from the deepest, darkest sins and just completely changed my life. But they deal with scars. There, there are things in their past. My, my, parents, my parents got saved later in life. I've talked to my dad. I, I, I know some of the things that, that he has struggled with over the years. They, they met, many of you guys know their story, they met in Vietnam. They, they met on a helicopter pad in Vietnam, got married in Germany by a justice of the peace in Germany, and they didn't understand what was going on. Um, they came back and afterwards met each other's parents, and dad was a bartender at a singles bar, mom was a nurse, and they wanted to start a worm farm. That was their goal in life. They, my parents were hippies, hippie hippies. That was their goal in life, and man, look at how look at how God has changed their lives. God, God has taken a life of sin, and now, Dad, I remember the day that Dad said, "I have now been serving God as long as I served myself beforehand," and it was a big deal for my dad. and And Dad turned their lives around, and because of that, I'm in ministry today. My sister and her husband are in ministry today. All of my siblings are, are involved in a good Christian church. Many of the grandchildren are saved because God affected a life. And, and I used to look at that and want that, but, I, but I've realized, look at all the things that God has saved me from. Yeah, amen. I, I don't have the, the scars of alcoholism. I, I don't know what it's like to, to be on drugs. The only drugs I've been on has been for surgery. Um. You know, There's a lot of things that I don't have to fight with and battle with in my mind. And there's so much that God saved me from instead of out of. And so I'm thankful for the testimony that God has given me. God works in each life differently. Verses 8 through 12, verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also have and therefore speak. As I was talking about in Sunday school, life's not easy. We're, we're troubled, there's difficulties, there, there's challenges that we faced, But we don't have to be down, we don't have to be discouraged, we don't have to be perplexed. Because because God's in control. God's in charge. If if you are discouraged, if you are down, if if you are having a tough time, it's because your focus is in the wrong place. If we get our eyes off of our own problems and we begin to look on, even just looking on the problems of others, think not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I didn't have bombs going off outside of my house today. I think of Brother Mark Green over in Odessa, Ukraine right now. Uh, My Tim Carpenter, one of the guys out of our church that I went to high school with, his brother-in-law is a missionary on the border of the Romanian-Ukrainian border. They've got a camp there and they've opened up their camp for refugees. They hear bombings going off constantly just across the border. They, They can see into Ukraine from where they live. I don't like Highway robbery as I go and pay for the gas that I've got as I'm driving down the road. Literally, highway robbery. I'm on the side of the highway and they're robbing me. But I have a vehicle that I can drive. I'm able to put gas. I, I, I haven't had to panhandle to put gas in my vehicle yet. God, God has not left his seed forsaken. He's not left me begging for bread. God is meeting our needs. He's supplying. He's taking care of us. And any time I start to get discouraged and frustrated it's because I'm focusing on me instead of on the world around me. Because God is good and God wants to bless. God wants to take care of us. And and we've got to get our eyes off of our own situation. Verses 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our... Light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God wants us to be reaching the lost. He, are there challenges? Are there difficulties? Absolutely. Are, are we dealing with a world that doesn't want the gospel? Yes, we are. They, they're doing everything that they can to get God and the Bible out of our society, out of our lives, out of our schools, out of our families. They're trying to even separate the families now. They, they're doing everything that they can to push us away. But it's what they need most. And that's what we're here for. <clears throat> and so my question again is, is you're not, here's, the, here's the lost world. Here's all that they're dealing with. We're distressed. We're perplexed. We're, we're having a difficult time, but we've got a God of hope. They have no hope. What? Why are they discouraged? Why are they down? Why are they frustrated? Because their answer truly is the government. Their answer is, fend for yourself. Their answer is, nothing. They've got no hope. They've got challenges that we're facing, and here we are. We've got the good news. We've got the hope. We, we've, got, we've got the life and yet we tend to hide it. And so what I'd like to look at is we're going to look at three ways to get your net in the water. And and can can I say that each one of us has our own net. As I mentioned earlier, there's not multiple ways to Christ, but each one of us came to Christ differently. Does that make sense? I, I, I didn't take a different path than you did, but we didn't all enter the path at the same spot. It's, it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But God worked differently in my life than he did in yours. There, when, when I got saved, I was, I was thankful for, I'd grown up in church. I had been around church my entire life and, and I was doing, the, doing what I was supposed to do. I, I was living the Christian life. I was acting like a Christian, like a good little boy because that's the way that I was raised. But then I realized one day that I had not personally accepted Christ as my Savior And that if I wanted to be able to go to heaven, it wasn't my Christian good works. It wasn't the faith of my parents. It wasn't the faith of my church. It was only in trusting in Jesus Christ myself personally. And, and it was, it was my realization that if I wanted to go to heaven, it had to be personal. For, for my wife, it was, it was a fear of dying and going to hell. She, she was afraid of the the consequences of what would happen if she didn't accept. For some, you've gone through a long, hard road and the Lord has brought, brought you a long way and there's a lot of things that you've had to give up and to, to set aside and, and the Lord worked differently in your life to bring you to the point of salvation. So each one of us has our own net. One, one of the big excuses that I hear as I, as I travel around, well, I, I just I don't know how to talk to people you may not be as outgoing as I am, but everybody knows how to talk to somebody. And you just, you find the right topic and everybody's a talker. Even the most introverted person that I know, I mean, you, you just, it, it could be sports, it could be the NCAA tournaments, it could be football, it could be, it could be food. I've got two passions, Jesus and food. Those are my passions. You know, it's, you get me on one of those topics. Uh, we were just, Brother Eric Ramus was just up with us uh, for Teen Mania, and we were talking about traveling around. And I'm like, Oh, you're going here? There's a really good barbecue place there. And oh, you're going here. And he's like, You and your barbecue. What? If you need to know a place to eat when you're out traveling, let me know. I've got a list. Um, <laughs> but every, everybody enjoys talking about something. In your salvation, should be something that you're passionate about. It it should be something that interests you. It should be something that excites you. And you say, "Well, well, I don't I don't know all of the verses. I don't I don't know the Romans road. I don't know the right passages to take them to." Do you know what God did for you? Start there. I I have seen over and over again. There there have been people that I have witnessed to and and I, you know, Sometimes we come in a little too polished. Well, if you just take them through ABC and one, two, three, follow these steps, and there, aren't you ready to pray and get saved? And they're like, I don't even know what you just said to me. Because, because when you've been around it a lot, you, you tend to, well, you know all the questions, and so you try to hit the questions before they ask the questions, and you try to, but sometimes people need to ask the questions. And, and, and they need to see that we don't know everything. And you know what? I don't know that answer, but I know where to find that answer. Give me some time and I'll get you an answer for you. And you just share what God has done for you. How God changed your life. What was it that brought you to Christ? What was it that that made you say, I need to be saved? I don't know about everybody else, but I know what God did for me. And this is what he did. This is how he changed my life. And this is how he's working through me. I I worked for a long time at Tessie Plastics and it's amazing to me that You're not allowed to talk about God and politics, any factory that you work in. Don't talk about God and politics. They can talk about anything and everything else that they want to talk about. But God and politics, you're not allowed to talk about. But you want to know the one thing that I've found that nobody ever complains about is when you start talking about the goodness of God. Well, I'm not witnessing. I'm just just saying about what God has done for our family and how God has blessed our church. And you just start talking about the blessings and, and people listen and people are curious and people... You have an opportunity. You have a net. You, you you have your own pond. You know some people may come fishing in your area but but God's given you a circle of influence. And so how do we get our net in the water? Turn over if you would to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 we're going to look at verse number 33. Luke 11:33. Verse number 33 says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth on in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. We need to have a verbal witness. This, this world is blinded. We need to be going out and telling others about Jesus Christ. The, the, the first area of getting your net in the water is, is, through, is through your verbal witness. We need to proclaim God. We need to proclaim Christ. And is is the Bible controversial? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you just talk amongst Christians and you'll find somewhere that you're going to argue about something. You take it to the lost world and of course you're going to find it controversial. So does that mean that we don't do it? No. We we need to be a verbal witness. and, And... there, there's different techniques. You know, you you don't necessarily have to start every every conversation with. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? I mean, it helps if you got like a gun or a knife that you're holding at the time. <laughs> you, 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 not every, but you just I, men's prayer last night. Brother Corey was talking about developing friendships. He he's he's working in his political office and he said, hey, I've not had an opportunity to witness to this person and this person but we're becoming friends. I'm getting to know them. Did you know that people listen better if they know that you care? If I don't know you or anything about you and you come up to me and tell me all the things that I need to do to make my life better, you want to know what? I don't care. (laughs) you may have something that's extremely helpful, but I really don't care. And the more you tell me I have to do something because it's going to better my life, the more I'm like, oh yeah? (laughs) Watch this. I'm not supposed to get political. I don't care. It's like the government telling me that I have to do this or have to do that. The more you tell me I have to do something, the less I actually want to do it. But if you actually invest and, and show that you care, get to know someone. Developing those relationships gives you the opportunity to be a witness. Even when you know someone well, if someone points out an an area of error in your life, you know what you need to work on? No. What do I need to work on? None None of us accepts correction well. At least I've not met anybody that accepts correction law. You, You start pointing out faults and failures in my life. I don't want to hear it. I need to hear it and I'm glad that you're my friend and you're telling me but I don't want to listen to you right now. None of us like to hear it but when it comes from someone that we know and love and care about even though I may react adversely at the moment I'm more likely to think about what was said and allow it to begin to change my life. But we need to be that verbal witness, James four fourteen. Whereas we know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how much time they have. We have to spread the gospel. We've got to be a witness while we can. We. We've been given a limited opportunity. I, I thought about bringing a candle, taking a birthday candle and, and lighting it and setting it up here and how quickly the candle disappears, especially a birthday candle. It just It's just for a moment. It, it wouldn't even last the entire time that I'm preaching. It would just, its flame would light up, it would shine for a time and then it would be gone. That's what our life is. We don't know how much time we have, but we need to be a verbal witness. The second area is our testimony. What do you want people to see? Turn over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. So we've got our verbal witness, then we have our testimony. The verbal witness is what we tell others. Our testimony is what people see. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 through 10 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall have his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Our witness is the things that we do for people to see. It's it's our faithfulness to church. You don't think people notice when you're faithful to church? They do. Your neighbors know. Your co-workers know how much time you spend in church. It's your faithfulness in church. It's your involvement in the church. It's being involved as a Sunday school teacher, going out on soul winning. It's the things that we do to show our love for God. That is our testimony. You know, you've often heard if there was a trial and you were being tried for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? You've got your verbal witness But a salesman can sell something that he's not interested in. I've I've had a couple of sales jobs over the years. I have a hard time selling something that I'm not interested in, but I can sell it. I can can convince you to try and buy it. Uh, And so our verbal witness, it's not just enough to say it. We actually have to live it. It's, It's them seeing a difference in your life. If, if you witness to somebody and invite them to church, but then the next day they see you completely blow a gasket over some minor issue, yeah, I want to be like that guy. Uh, our testimony is what helps draw them to Christ. They, they see something different in our life. And so we, we need to have Testimony and we need to have an, an area of service. It, it, it's, not, it's not enough just to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. It, it's an opportunity of growth. But we need to be serving. We need to be serving. We need to be involved. I, I'm not saying that you have to be a Sunday school teacher. But is there something that you can do? I've said this many times, even just cleaning a building. In in the day and age that we live in, a clean building, a maintained building, can oftentimes mean the difference between a first-time and second-time visitor. People come in and they judge a place just when they walk through the door. Your your friendliness, your, your happy, smiling faces makes a difference as we are kind as we are friendly as we are outgoing and again I realize that's not everybody's personality you know my wife and I when we first met I thought she was stuck up because she looked to be crabby all the time and she thought I was mentally handicapped because she's like nobody actually smiles that much all the time and then she married me and realized he does smile that much all the time and and he is mentally handicapped (laughs) You know, we, we all have different personalities. We all have different, and again, that's, that's our net. That's what God has given us to be able to reach those around us. Did you know that not everybody connects with me? Not, not everybody likes me. <laughs> Why would anybody not like me? I am so much fun. The biggest annoyance that my wife has is when we're traveling, someone will come up and say, your husband is so funny, he must be a riot to live with. And she's like, yeah, it was for the first month. And then it got annoying. You know, there are differences. But God made you unique. God, God made you special, and he loves you very much. <laughs> <Vegetables>. Um <laughs> God made you unique, unique. He made you special. He made you so that you would be able to connect with certain people that there's no way that I would ever be able to connect with. There'd be no way that pastor could ever connect with. And sometimes... Did you know that my wife, we have the same influence, the circle of influence, the same people that we come in contact with, and there's people that like my wife that don't like me. I am way more fun. <laughs> and yet people like her more and people like endure me. We, we've got we got, one guy, we got one guy in Wisconsin. He can only handle so much time around me. And he's, he'll say it too. He's like, yeah, I've had about enough. I need to go do something else. <laughs> You're just a little too much for me today, Mr. Ingalls. I'm like... Okay. Um, God gives us that, though. Some people love being around me and some people don't like being around me. But I'm able to use those that I connect with and try and be an influence and try and have an impact in their lives. That's our testimony. It's people seeing a difference in our lives and, and saying, I want what they have. And then the, the last area is our reputation. Our reputation. We've got our verbal witness, what we say. We've got our testimony, what we do so that people can see a difference in our lives. But our reputation is a little bit different. Our reputation is what people see when things aren't going well. When life kicks you in the teeth, what's your response? The, the example that, I, that I'd like to talk about is Acts chapter 16. We're not going to read the passage of Scripture, but it's it's... Paul and Silas being thrown into jail and witnessing to the Philippian jailer and the Philippian jailer getting saved. What were Paul and Silas doing before they got thrown into jail? They were preaching. They were witnessing. They are out giving the gospel. And, I mean, we're talking Paul. the, The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest missionary of all times. The Apostle Paul is out witnessing trying to lead people to the Lord, and what was the response? Let's beat him (laughs) and throw him in prison. He He is doing the witness. He's doing the testimony. He's doing everything that he should be doing. And yet, as far as we can tell, no one was led to the Lord because of his efforts. They get cast into jail, not only into jail, but into the inner prison, in the stocks, in the inner prison. And what was Paul and Silas's response? They sang. What a friend we have in Jesus. No one's going to come to Christ because of my singing. <laughs> but they're singing. They're, they're happy. They're excited still. And that's what gave them the opportunity to witness to the Philippian jailer. It was the hardship, it was the difficulty, it was the adversity, but handling it with the right spirit. That's our reputation. That's what people see when it's not going well. Did you know that it's easy to serve God when everything's going perfectly? Oh, God is so good, man. He's he's so gracious. Oh, I just lost my job. Yay, God's good still, I think. That's when the world sees the difference. When there's the loss of a loved one, when when there's a sickness that comes, when there's when there's some difficulty that we face in our life, and yet we still are rejoicing about the goodness of God. That's that's what saved the Philippian jailer. It was the reputation. It, It wasn't their witnessing out on the streets. It wasn't their their actions that they were doing for other people to see. It wasn't the testimony that they were trying to build in the community. It was a reputation when everything fell apart that gave them the opportunity to be a witness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 4 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Is your net in the water? When's the last time you were a witness? Passed out a tract, verbally invited someone to church. I've said it time and time again, on average, when we're over in Eastern Europe, it takes 200 invitations to see one visitor. Just one visitor. That's not one person saved, that's not one person out of the church. One visitor. Have you invited 200? Well, I invite people, but they never come. Invite them 200 times. They might come just to get you to leave them alone. It takes time. It takes effort. But we need to be a verbal witness. How is your witness? Is your net in the water? How is your testimony? What are you actively doing to show Christ in your life? I, I'm not a lifestyle evangelism type of guy. But if your lifestyle doesn't match what you're preaching, they're not going to listen to what you're preaching. You have to back it up with your testimony. And then I know life is difficult. I know life is hard. But do you praise God even in the dark? Even in the, well, nobody sees me at that moment. You'd be amazed at who sees you. They, they can see your spirit. Someone that knows you, someone that's around you, they can tell when you're down. They can tell when you're discouraged. They can tell when things aren't going well. What's your reaction in the dark? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity once again to be here today, Lord. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to put our nets in the water. You've done so much for us. We've got so many good things that we can say about you, Lord, but oftentimes we get so busy and so distracted with life that we're not the witness, we're not the testimony that we ought to be. And our reputation begins to fail. I pray that you just bless and direct as you see fit, Lord. Encourage us to do more, to to reach a lost and dying world around us, to be a fisherman. We ask these things in your name. Amen. If you'd stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed.